Blog Talk Radio. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Lajanusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. The show where legends, current players, and industry professionals come together and discuss the great game of golf. This morning, Chris welcomes Next on the Tee, Ralph Kempel, Golf Course Superintendent at Eastlake Golf in Atlanta, Georgia, home of the PGA Tour Championship. Then, next on the tee, Carling Nolan, LPGA Tour Professional, TV host at Fox Sports, and the winner of the Golf Channel's Big Break, Sandals Resorts, in 2010. So, as always, we thank you for spending some of your Saturday morning with us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another edition of Next on the Tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining me this morning on an all-Ohio State Buckeye edition of Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and today we've got two former Buckeyes uh, that'll be uh, knocking the dew off the tee with me, if you will. Like Joe said, first up, I'll be talking with Ralph Keppel, who is the uh, golf course superintendent here in Atlanta at Eastlake Golf Club, uh, like Joe said, the uh, home of the PGA Tour Championship. So if you're a fan of Bobby Jones and appreciate what he meant to the game, you know you know Eastlake in the course, and uh, that's where he grew up. That's where he started playing. So we'll talk about that, what it's like maintaining a national treasure like Eastlake, a little Ohio State golf and football, and, uh, and uh, I'm sure a great deal more when Ralph joins me here in just a few minutes. A little later, I'll be joined by another Buckeye, this time former girls golf team co-captain Carling Nolan. Carling is currently playing out on the uh, Symmetra Tour, formerly known as the Developmental Tour. You may also remember that she won the Golf Channel's Big Break Sandals Resorts back in 2010. This week, She's playing up in Battle Creek, Michigan at the Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship. She saw an opening round two under par 70 yesterday. So I look forward to talking with her about 20 minutes from now. But before we get started, we want to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military and everyone listening in on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We also want to thank those of you who serve in every branch of public service. We truly appreciate the sacrifices you make to preserve our freedoms and our liberty. Our sincere thanks as well to Cos Crew, Stephen Lee, and all the folks at Armed Forces Radio. It's an honor for us to be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org and clicking on the sports link that you're going to find in the bottom right-hand side of the page or the radio link in the upper right-hand corner. Also, be sure to give those guys a follow on Twitter at the AFRN for the Armed Forces Radio Network. All right, now joining me is Ralph Keppel. Let me give you a little background on Ralph. Like I say, he graduated from Ohio State with a uh, degree in agronomy and task, uh, turf uh, grass management. He's also the core superintendent at East Lake here in Atlanta. You know, Everyone knows Augusta National, and that may be the course we all fantasize about playing one day. But right here, right behind Augusta National, at least for most of us in the southeast, is Eastlake. Eastlake's a strong number two on your uh, before-I-die bucket list. I want to play Eastlake one day. Ralph was also the 2012 Golf Course Superintendent of the Year. 
was a finalist for TurfNet Superintendent of the Year in 2007, and he was Georgia Turfgrass Association Professional of the Year in 2000. Ralph, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning to join me. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you having me. So, Ralph, you know, like I say, we said a bunch here so far in the uh, in the uh, lead-in, but uh, Ohio State alum, your fellow Buckeye, Carling Nolan, like I say, is going to join me here in a little while. Were you involved at all with the golf team when you were uh, back at Ohio State? Nah, I wasn't good enough to play on that team. <laughs> they won a national championship a couple of years before I got there. I wasn't that good. So, you know, you are now responsible for the care of one of the great golf courses on the planet. Like I say, one one that uh, most of us dream about playing on one day. Do you think to yourself, wow, what a great job I've got? Or is that sort of tempered a little bit by the awesome responsibility that goes along with it? Uh, it's a little both. Uh, I mean, it's it's an awesome place to work. Um, great group of people to work with. Um, golf course is just phenomenal, in my opinion. I just love the layout here and think it's just a, a classic. You know, one of those courses where everything's right out in front of you. Uh, no tricks and, and you know, just um, yeah. There's a lot of responsibility, but it's 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 a great challenge. So. You know, in in trying to maintain a facility like Eastlake, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> Not much. I'm usually too tired at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, well, you know, this this year it's been not kept me up, but it's definitely been uh, an interesting uh, start to the year with the difficult winter we had, and then the spring that just wouldn't uh, it wouldn't make up its mind if it was going to warm up or stay cold and um it it was it was just a challenge Uh, i think we're through it now we seem like we've jumped right into july weather right Uh, but that's uh kind of what we all all the bermuda grass growers kind of needed that uh trying to fill some areas in so you know you, you you allude to you know we had a, we had a couple of snow events this year we had a bad ice you know event uh, not it doesn't seem like we're all that far removed from it though I guess you know back January February at this point did did the course suffer any adverse effects from uh, from either one of those things either one of those events we didn't get a whole lot of ice here and didn't really have any damage from from an ice storm Augusta was unfortunately took the brunt of that um, the cold is. You know, we got down to five degrees one of those days when we had a cold spell, and uh, that can be that can be a killing temperature on warm season turf. And any place we we see that was a little bit struggling going into the winter, either didn't survive or was pretty severely damaged. So those are the areas we're we're trying to fix up now. And a lot of it was around trees where it was kind of marginal whether we should go ahead and extend mulch beds to those areas anyway, just from the tree root competition. And so we've, we've, we're in the middle of ex- expanding lots of mulch beds right now, or a whole lot of them. So right. uh, not my favorite thing. I'd rather have grass than mulch, but uh, it just doesn't make sense to try and grow Bermuda grass under trees. <laughs> so... You know, we talk about you know this winter and the and the and the tough time we had you know from a weather event perspective. I remember, what I think it was 2009. We had you know an unbelievable sort of you know stretch of rain right before the tournament, right? 12, 13 inches of rain 
we had, I remember the local news showing, you know, the entire course, it seemed like, was underwater. Take me through how, you know, you guys were able to deal with something like that. And the course looked fantastic by the time that, you know, you know the, uh, the tournament itself started. So how did you guys deal with that and make the course, you know, turn out so well after, you know, being uh, what seemed like a, a series of streams a few days before? Yeah, that was that was a wild week. Um, you know, fortunately, we have very good infrastructure here. We have a lot of good, uh, good piping and drainage out here. Everything drains to the to the middle of the property, which is East Lake. It's a 28 acre pond. Um, so basically, everything drained off real well. 2003, we installed over 80,000 feet of drainage on our fairways, um, and that that was that more than paid for itself that week. Uh, the biggest issue we had was the bunkers would wash every day. We'd shovel them up. They'd get washed again. And, and we wore our poor volunteers and our crew out that week. Yeah, I imagine you did. Do you do you have, you know, we hear so much about it, you know, several you know uh, sites, particularly Augusta National, with the underground, you know, systems that it's able to suck the water, you know, particularly off the greens. Do you guys employ something very similar to that? We do have sub-air units on our greens, uh, and that's the same system they have on their greens, but they've got them in other areas, walk paths even. So they've, wow. they've kind of taken that to another level on their crosswalks right. on the fairways, I should say. Yeah. Um, but we do have those in the greens, and they, they help to a point. Uh, you can't pull the excess water out of the top part of your green. It's just held too tightly to the soil, and you need a little wind and sun to really dry that top inch out. Yeah. So, you know, mentioned, you know, you mentioned the name Bobby Jones to anybody, and, you know, all of a sudden everybody's ears, particularly in the, you know, in the Georgia area, southeast area, you know, your ears perk up. For our listeners who aren't familiar with Eastlake, outside of knowing that that's where the Tour Championship is played every year, every year can you share the course's rich history with us? Uh, yeah, and, and Bobby Jones was certainly a, a huge part of it, but not the only only champion that's played here. Um, but he, he basically grew up here. Uh, his family moved out here in the summers. Uh, he was uh, sickly as a child and, until they moved out here. And they they moved out here into the what was then country, which is kind of funny because we're about five <laughs> right. miles from downtown, um, for fresher air and cooler temperatures. Um, and he started following Stuart Maiden around the golf course, who was the golf pro here, and tried to copy his swing. And I don't think he ever actually took a lesson necessarily, but just learned it by copying him. And, uh, wow. you know, by the time he was a young teen, was was winning state amateur events. Um, but right. had a great group of people. He played with uh, Perry Adair and uh, Alexis Sterling, who won several women's amateurs here in the States and moved to Canada and won a few more there. Um, you know, later on, Tommy Barnes, Charlie Harrison, Watts Gunn uh, was a member here. And uh, Watts Gunn and, and Bobby Jones, were the, it's the only time it's ever happened, played in the finals of a U.S. amateur and they were members of the same club. Wow. Which is a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. Do you know any more about how that came about? Um, I know that Watts Gun was uh, 
he was on the Georgia Tech golf team. Right. I'm not certain, but I think I think Bobby Jones had a little bit to do with getting him here at the club at East Lake to as a member. Yeah. Um, but they uh, they played uh, basically. It sounded like they played everybody pretty tightly during the uh, match play. Beat everybody pretty soundly. But when they got to the final, um, I think Bobby Jones put a pretty good thrashing on Watts' gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't being too friendly to him that day. I imagine not. <laughs> so Ralph, I, I know the course went through a redesign not all that long ago, um, and you were a part of that. Can you share, you know, the story behind you know wh- where the course was, why you wanted to redesign it, and then the things that you and you know you had some pretty famous architects in there helping you out. We've done a couple. We did a major reconstruction. Uh, in 1994, uh, I, I came here in 1992, and it was under the old ownership. Um, the place had been under a limited partnership for 25 years, and really was they just had to scratch up money and spend what they what they could. So it was uh, it was pretty difficult there. This first couple of years, we didn't have a lot of money to spend, um, and then. They ended up selling the the golf course, and and Tom Cousins purchased it, and uh, he he wanted to renovate it and and make it a shrine to Bobby Jones, but also in the back of his mind had a a bigger plan in mind for using the golf course to uh, renovate the neighborhood, and it's it's been absolutely mind blowing to see what he's been able to accomplish right. with that. Uh, and it right. was a, it was a scary place when I started here. Um, the neighborhood was was frightening, and uh, there was a lot of crime, and that's completely turned around. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a wonderful revitalization of the, you know, just the, you know you mentioned the neighborhood, but the whole area around East Lake is, has has uh, had a wonderful revitalization. That's a it's it's a fantastic testament to all of you that participated in that and um, you know congratulations on that because it's it's fantastic now yeah so in 94 he brought reese jones in to do the renovation and um we had not a whole lot of photographs and and couldn't really find the original plans of the club but we had many old members who had played the old golf course before it was changed in 1959 and wanted to kind of go back as much as we could to that original Donald Ross design uh, and it kind of worked well because at that it, before 1959 they had two green sites winter and summer green sites and it kind of let you pick and choose which was the better site a lot of them were next to each other and were just side by side but there were a few that were a little bit apart uh, so it gave us a little bit of leeway and latitude to, to do that and still be able to say you know this is how it was the routing was certainly the same yeah, um, and uh, it really turned out great. You know, we've done tweaks and modifications throughout. And then in 1990, uh, I'm sorry, in 2008, we changed the greens from bent grass to Bermuda, and we made a few more changes. Then uh, moved to seven green back about 40 yards, and moved the 17th fairway and green down to the lake, which has made that hole much much better. Yeah. So you talk, you know, kind of want to go through the course a little bit with your Ralph. You know, watching the championship, 
you know, number six, you know, was one of my favorite holes. You know, I've, I've been to, you know, the tournament itself, walked, you know, walked around watching, you know, watching the event. You know, six is a par three. It's the Peninsula Green for tournament play. I think you guys are, you know, typically, you know, the players are typically playing it from, you know, somewhere around 213 yards. Can you talk a little bit about that hole? Plus, you know, which ones you see, which ones you favor? Well, I mean, that one's always pretty exciting because there's, there's, the way this golf course is designed, there's not a whole lot of holes where you're going to have big numbers, typically. It's not that type of trouble. It's one of those where you short side yourself and, and you, you're going to make a bogey. And there's not going to be a lot of rounds out here where there are no bogeys, uh, unless right. you're Henrik Stenson last year. I didn't miss a shot. But um, that hole is, has that potential because if you miss your shot, you're you're going to get wet. And then right. there's you know a drop area to hit from, but still not an easy shot. And that, right. that's a tough shot. I, mean, I can't make it. Yeah. And that's 213 yards, and there's water the whole way, and there's water to the right, and water to the left of the bunker on the left, and right. water short. And just all I see is water. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to pick out that green for me. With you. I imagine that is one of the toughest shots out there. Um, so, you know, day to day, you know, speaking of the tournament, when you're when the tournament's on, you know, you got the you know the practice rounds leading up to it, you know, and then the weekend of the actual tournament proper. What's what's the biggest challenge you and your team face? You know, we got you know tens of thousands of spectators all over the place. You know, walking hither and yon. Where what's your biggest nightmare that you guys have to deal with on a uh, on a daily basis during that week? The biggest nightmare is always rain because when we're dry, all that foot traffic and all the cart traffic, and there's there's a lot of cart traffic between NBC and rules officials and tour officials and marshals. But when we're dry, that's not a big issue. But when we get rain, it, it changes everything. And you start getting some pretty muddied up areas, and we'll have to throw mulch in some of those areas. And then, then you've got to come back and clean that up later, which is not the easiest thing. Right. Um, you know, that's as far as the week goes, that's that's a big challenge. Um, this is, a, I mean, a great tournament to host because there's only 30 players. So, you know, for instance, this year the first tee time is going to be somewhere around 11.45 or 11.50 every day. TV? Is that a TV? Yeah, thing? yeah, it's a TV thing. If there are only 30 players, there's no need to start early. Um, you know, sometimes right. uh, it's covered by NBC, and NBC's got their contract with Notre Dame football. So sometimes, uh, depending on when Notre Dame's game is, we may have to do an early start on Saturday, and we did last is that right? year. Yeah, I hate, I hate Notre Dame. I mean, I've never been to Notre Dame, <laughs> and now now is another reason to hate them. Yeah. Yeah, there's another team north of Ohio I don't like much either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, where was I? No, you're just talking well, about you know the uh, later the later start times. Yeah. Um, you know, on that Saturday, that early start is still not that early. It's nine o'clock. You know, it's it's not like it's not like we have to to get everybody out of, out of the building and get everything done within a very, very short time. We still try to get everything done as early as we can just to get out of the way of spectators. 
Right. Um, but it gives us some leeway if we do have an issue, say a mower breaks down, we've got time to get another mower and not have to worry about, well, we're going to make it ahead of play. That's not a, that's not an issue. Right. And, and uh, you know, if we were to get a rain delay, which we've only had happen one time where we had to stop play and restart it in the morning, we, that was the only time we've had that kind of a situation. We had to come out at 4 a.m. and mow greens, and you had to find the coin on the green where the ball was marked and move it for the mower and put it back exactly where it was and that sort of thing. Wow. How do you and do that? that? That gets challenging. How do you mow around it? Yeah, how do you mow around uh, it? You don't mow around it. You, you actually got to pick it up, mow the spot, and put it back as close as you as you can. How do and you mark it? How do you know where it was? Well, you're not likely to get it exactly there, but what we did was we had a not the person mowing, but somebody else as the mower came close to the coin would pick it up and stare, basically stare at that spot where it was. And after the mower went by, would put it right back. Yeah. And, you know, it's you can't you can't be perfect, but you also have to mow the whole green. So <laughs> yeah, the players know what the deal is, and and it, it's not a it's not a anything they're not concerned with. Yeah, no contention around that. No, not at all. So during during the tournament, or at least, you know, whether it's during or just prior to the tournament, the players are, you know, going through their practice rounds and all that sort of stuff. Are, are any of the players that, you know, over the years, any of them come up to you and, you know, give you a suggestion, an idea, a thought, feedback, that sort of thing? I've had very little of that. Um, occasionally I'll, I'll go to a player and ask him just how the course is playing. I try not to bother him very much, um, but... Just say, hey, how's the course plan? Is there anything out there you, you don't like? I generally don't get too much negative feedback, hmm. which uh, is good. Good for you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, a couple more. We've got Carling Nolan holding, holding on the line. Want to get to her in just just a second. So just a couple more, Ralph, before I let you run. Now we've got sure. we've got the U.S. Open here set to play in a couple of weeks up at Pinehurst, and you know the men's and women's are going to play in back-to-back weeks. Is that a superintendent's nightmare? I mean, how you know how can you you know get the greens you know in a in the shape that you want them, particularly for a U.S. Open? You know, the, the, the greens typically by a Sunday look like they're practically brown. So now you're going to have back-to-back majors on those. Would that? What are the challenges that you, that you see that those guys are going to have to deal with? I think that that will be one challenge as far as their ability to dry those greens down the way they typically do um i i don't know if they're gonna have a big issue with that but they're they're gonna be changing those greens to bermuda right after the the women's open so i don't think they're gonna be so concerned with whether they're they come back gonna survive i guess you could say yeah but i guess the difficulty is going to be are they going to be able to get the speeds from the men's open to the women's open where they want them because I believe they're going to want the women's open a little bit slower and a little bit softer. I think their biggest challenge, and I think the the, the women players have made a lot of mention of this, is the divots. That yeah. They're worried about that, and, and I right. understand that. Uh, they were... Um, I, I read several comments where they thought they probably they felt like they should have had the women play first because they don't take as many divots and as big a divots and right you know that sort of thing and 
Yeah. I understand what the USGA is trying to do, and it'll it'll save them money, I guess, in the long haul. But um, it's difficult for the the people at Piners to get uh, to get volunteers there for two consecutive weeks. It's hard enough to get them for one one week. Right. But to get two straight, they're still going to need volunteers for both events. So I don't know how they're how they're working that part out. Yeah. No. No kidding. Yeah, I got to imagine it's going to be a, a uh, an unbelievably intricate and uh, difficult task to get the get the course ready two straight weeks like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how how it plays out. Right, so Ralph, one more thing before we let you go. Ohio State. You mentioned in a minute. Ohio State football. Um, Thoughts on the team and where where they're at and um, the run at a national championship this uh, this coming football season. Still have a lot of talent there if they can find an offensive line. They they lost a lot of guys there, but their defensive line looks like it's going to be a beast. So I'm hoping their defense comes back from last year because they weren't very fun to watch at the end of the <laughs> season, especially when people figured them out. But uh, they made a lot of coaching changes on the defensive side, and and uh, I think I think their defense is going to be 180 degrees from last year. But I think the big question mark right now is they lost some pretty good offensive linemen, and if they can replace them uh, and replace Carlos Hyde, um, I don't think they've got right. another guy like him, but I think they've got some pretty good backs there. So I think they're still going to be really good. Wow. I knew last I year Michigan lot. State was the team to beat, and they right. proved me right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I got a lot in uh, in, in your boy Shazier. He's a uh, I'm a Steeler fan. I'm from Pittsburgh, mm. so you know we got a lot going on him. So I'm hoping he's a stellar guy and uh, ends up being Defensive Rookie of the Year. And uh, he's you pretty good. Feel bad for- yeah, well, you know they say he's got a lot of speed, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. You got to feel, yeah. uh, you know, for uh, for our next guest, Carling Nolan. She's up in in Battle Creek, Michigan, so she's in the heart of uh, enemy territory right now. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she survives. <laughs> right, well, Ralph. It was a pleasure talking to you. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. You were a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we can uh, get some time with you uh, either before or after uh, the tournament this year. I'd love to get your thoughts and and uh, see how it all turns out for you guys. Anytime, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, Ralph. All the best to you, uh, your family, and everyone out there at East Lake. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, great stuff from Ralph Keppel at uh, Eastlake Golf Club. Uh, pleasure talking to him, and, uh, you know, we'll see how uh, Shazir does for my Steelers, and maybe that'll be something else we, we get to talk about. But look forward to catching up with Ralph again uh, here in, not, in the not-too-distant future. My next guest is uh, Carling Nolan. She is holding on the line. I'm going to bring her in in just a moment. I want to I put in a plug for our good friend uh, from our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, free agent linebacker Will Witherspoon was with us this week. Uh, he and all the great folks out at uh, Shiregate Farm. If you love football as well as golf, 
You know Will from his 12 years so far in the NFL with the Panthers, Titans, and Rams. And like I say, currently a free agent looking. Hopefully he catches on somewhere here in uh, the not-too-distant future. Here in Georgia, you know him from his playing days at the University of Georgia. His company, Shiregate Farm, produces some of the best meat products on the planet. You know, it's grilling season now, so check them out online, ShiregateFarm.com. Their products are all grass-fed beef that are antibiotic and hormone-free. Steaks and brats, grill up tender and juicy, I know because I bought some. Their ground meat and burgers are also going to knock your socks off. When you go to their site, ShiregateFarm.com, enter promo code SGF for Shiregate Farm, SGF2014. That SGF is an all uppercase, so SGF2014 and get 50% off at checkout. Not only are you going to be delighted with the taste, but when your friends and family tell you uh, you've served them uh, the best steaks and burgers that they've ever had, you're going to get that extra little smile on your face. So ShireGateFarm.com, and Shire is S-H-I-R-E, ShireGateFarm.com. Get right to uh, Carly Nolan after uh, this uh, quick uh, station identification. This is Joe Longinusa from Thursday Night Tailgate, and you're listening to On the Tee with Chris Mascaro on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now joining me is a young lady destined to be a star on the LPGA Tour very soon, Carling Nolan. Let me tell you a little bit about Carling's background. She's from Middletown, Ohio. She started playing golf at the age of 11. She won the Ohio State High School Championship in 2002. She was a three-time All-Big Ten player at Ohio State and uh, was named Freshman of the Year in 2000. She was the individual runner-up at the 2006 Big Ten uh, Conference Championship. She was the winner of the Golf Channel's Big Break, Sandals Resorts, in 2010, winning the uh, event uh, with a 25-foot birdie putt on the 17th hole. She's playing out on the Symmetra Tour, formerly known as the LPGA Developmental Tour. The Bleacher Report had her ranked ninth in the 25 hottest golfers ever on the big break, while Women's Fitness ranked her number two in the top ten sexiest women golfers in the world. I think both underranked her. This week, she's playing at the Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship up in Battle Creek, Michigan, where she fired a first-round two-under-par 70 yesterday, and I'm honored to have her next on the tee with me. Carling, how you doing this morning? Hey, doing good. Excited for my uh, afternoon round today. I bet you are. Talk about two under par seventy yesterday. You're up in, you know, as I was saying to Ralph there, we, as he ended up, you know, another Ohio State alum. So uh, you're up in enemy territory up there. You, are you feeling the heat from Michigan fans? <laughs> um, I'm feeling a little bit of heat from the Michigan fans. Everywhere you look, you see the big M everywhere. So maybe I got a little fired up yesterday and uh, made a few birdies. So uh, it's all good. <laughs> so every time a birdie putt comes in, are you pointing to the crowd? Take that, take that, you Michigan fan. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll throw out a few uh, OHIOs today too. <laughs> there you go. So, Carla, let's go back to the beginning. What what inspired an 11 year old girl from Middletown, uh, Ohio, to take up the game of golf? You know, it's a really interesting story actually, because my dad was an all-american wrestler in college and a really intense guy i come from a really athletic family and um he wanted me to be in athletics but i have a type 1 diabetes so it was pretty difficult for me to really start you know getting involved in um in sports but golf at the time was really perfect for me because it was kind of slower paced and um so i started picking it up and i was pretty good at it 
And me and my dad went at it, like, full wrestler style. Like, I, he would make me putt and do push-ups on the green and hit fades wow. and run sprints around the, the driving range. And you know what? I just, I really liked it. It was, it was really great. <laughs> so, was a push-up, if you missed the putt, did you have to do a push-up or you have to do 10? What was, what was that routine? Oh, absolutely. Like, it would be, yeah? you know, make 23 footers in a row and then... You know, if you if you missed in the first five, you got to do twenty push-ups. You missed the first wow. ten, you got to do five push-ups. And my dad was so funny; like he didn't really understand golf very much. So I'd be like twelve years old, and he's like, "Okay, you're, this is your first tournament. I want you to go up to that twelve-year-old girl and tell her you're going to beat her today." And I'm like, "Dad, <laughs> I'm like, I want to do that. That's so mean." <laughs> <laughs> nice, the art of intimidation at twelve-year-old yeah. golf. Wow. Oh, man, yeah, good. But we figured it out after a while. My dad, he actually caddied for me on tour for a while. And, um, yeah, we we figured it out that it was a nice, friendly sport. And, uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, you had, you had a great golf career at Ohio State, including being named co-captain of the team. Being an Ohio native, were any other schools even in the running? Was there any other decision to make about where you were going to go play your collegiate golf? Oh, I always wanted to go to Ohio State. Um, I was being recruited there, and I was always a fan since I was a little girl. So that was really the number one school. I did take a few visits, you know, just just because. Right. But uh, that was the place I always wanted to go. Your senior season, you, you led the team in scoring average. You had the low score with a 67 that year, which happened to take place on my birthday at the Lady Buckeye Tournament. Was there an event or a sequence of events, Carling, that told you that you have what it takes that you can compete with people at the highest level? Yeah, you know what? I actually, when I was a sophomore, um, actually um, I think it was the beginning of my junior year, I went to um, Q School for the Symmetra Tour, and I got my professional card while I was in college. And right. I was thinking about playing amateur on tour while I was still at school at Ohio State. So um, that was a really obviously a big confidence booster right. right there. Um, but two weeks after I got my card, I actually busted my wrist, and I needed wrist surgery. And wow. uh, I had to take my whole junior season off and uh, delay going on tour. And, uh, you know, at the time it seemed like, you know, the end of the world, but uh, I actually had a chance to get into a lot of um, – um, different things like I was the media assistant to Coach Tressel for the uh, the football team, and because right? uh, I was a broadcasting major, yeah, uh huh. I worked and I uh, I worked on CoachTressel dot com and I w- wrote all the daily articles and I went to all the practices and all the weightlifting nice. and interviewed all the players and just wow. sideline reporting and it was really one of the greatest things I ever did at Ohio State. You know, obviously to be involved with Ohio State football is just you know right. <laughs> awesome. And uh, because of that, I, I've gotten into TV more and more, and now I have uh, my own TV show on, on Fox Sports. So right. um, it's, it's been a great experience. Have you been able to pull some of the players that, you know, you, you got to deal with and got to meet and I'm sure form good relationships with into, you know, your show on Fox Sports? Have you had any of those guys on? Um, we've had a few players on, on there, but uh, not too much. I... Uh, I, I play golf with uh, Will Allen from the Steelers every once yes. in a while because he's a guy, and um, yeah. he invited me over to uh, to watch a few Steelers games too. So uh, it's, it's nice. good to have those Ohio State connections. Uh huh. My, my husband's actually from 
My husband's from Pittsburgh too, so you're in good company. Hey, there you go. Yeah. So, so huge deal with being here. So good for you. Um, speaking of that, Kerry Glenn, another former Ohio State player. I do a, a you know, we have our sister show that we do Thursday night tailgate, uh, which is uh, you know a football show every Thursday night from eight to ten o'clock. Uh, we're affiliated with the NFL Alumni Association. Lots of great players join us every single week. Terry Glenn, a great friend and Ohio State alum, good golfer. So he's down in Dallas. So if the tour swings through there, you need to. I'll help you get in touch with Terry. I'd love to love to hear how you guys tee it up together. He uh, he proclaims to be a great <laughs> golfer. I'd like to see some proof of that. All right, I'd like to take it on. I love it. Yeah. So, Carling, you know, one of my golf heroes has always been Jack Nicklaus, who, you know, we all know played his college golf as well at Ohio State. Ever have the opportunity to meet or talk with Jack? I did, yeah. He redesigned the Scarlet Course when I was there at Ohio State, and um, he came out for the grand opening. So I, I chatted with him for, like, you know, 30 seconds. I wouldn't say that we're best <laughs> friends yet, but uh, it, went, it was a pretty good 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, 30 seconds with the great Mr. Nicholas is better than a lot of other things. So good for you. Hopefully, I, I hope you get the opportunity to talk with him some more. Great hero of mine. Um, mm-hmm. How the opportunity for you to become or to get on the big break? How'd that come about? Oh, that was great. You know, after I finished at Ohio State, and you know, I went on and started my my professional career, and I thought, well, I did all this Ohio State uh, broadcasting work, so I really want to stay in that business. So what I did was. I started my own video blog on GolfChannel.com about being a rookie on tour. So um, I was this goofy little rookie that would, like, film all the players and all our practice rounds, interview the players, and make these little clips. And uh, it was called, you know, Life on Tour with Carling, Carling yep. Coughing at the time. And uh, so I had that on GolfChannel.com, and so they, they were very aware of me, and I think it really helped boost me when I, when I tried out at one of these Metro events and uh, gave me a chance to get on the big break. Wow. So, you know, like I said, you, you go through that whole thing. You're in the finals. The, uh, you know, you win the event one up with a, a nice 25-foot putt on the 17th hole. When that ball disappeared into the bottom of the cup, what, what was running through you? So many things. It's so incredible. You, like, you can't even explain it. You, you absolutely think, like, my life is going to be completely different now. You know, yeah. this is like the big break. This is going to be huge. And I and that's what I was thinking. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to win. And my life is going to be completely different and it's going to be a roller coaster ride. I just I, I couldn't be more excited. And is that exactly what happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, after that, um, you know, you pick up so many fans, which is so fun, and uh, play on the LPGA. And I've been able to play uh, here or there on the LPGA since then. And um, right. it's just been it's been a ride, and, and I love it, and I love the game of golf, and I'm very fortunate to play every day. So as a result, I think you know p- people have the conception that you know you won the you won the big break, and now you you know you get your tour card for the LPGA tour, and away you go. That's not exactly how it works, right? No, not at all. Oh, I wish that would be great. Actually, I got uh, I got three exemptions to play. Usually, you get one or two, but I played well in mine. And um, I went out to California and played and uh, had a top 25 finish. And I played in the Dubai Masters and I had a top 30 finish. And then I played uh, in Mexico. But uh, even if you play well in there, um, like I played well enough to get some conditional status if the money was official. But since you're an invite, it's unofficial money. So you still have to go to Q School 
and earn your card. But yeah. the nice thing about the big break is they, um, and I mean, they do really help you, and it is your big break. So they will pay for Q school, they pay for your entry fees. So it takes a little bit of pressure off, but you still, uh, still got to make those putts. Still got to hit the fairways. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Just a couple more before we let you run, Carling. I know you got the tournament the uh, second round today. Now, if playing golf at the level you're playing at isn't hard enough, as you mentioned a little bit ago, you're a diabetic. Talk about dealing with that and, you know, how you're able to regulate that, you know, when you're on the course and uh, away from it. Well, I'm very fortunate to live in the time that I do because diabetes has changed in the last 20 years. You know, I wear an insulin pump, so I don't have to take injections. And um, I test my blood sugar, you know, every couple holes. I always have snacks in the bag. And uh, my husband caddies for me. He helps me out a lot. And, uh, you know, you have to be very aware of, of the cues and when your blood sugar is off. Like, sometimes you'll start to feel sluggish. But sometimes, like, um, if I start to get... Um, really, really adventurous on the golf course. I can tell my blood sugar's off. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm in the woods. I'm going to hit it under this tree and over the water and hook it around at the last second onto the green. And he's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 is a little different about you. And you know, you got to be on top of these things. And sometimes he'll be like, I think it's a seven iron. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe I think it's a six iron. And he's like, okay, all right. So I really, I really try to stay on top of it. I test my blood sugar a lot. And uh, like I said, you know, it's a little bit of a setback sometimes, but you know, everybody has their thing, you know, everybody, right. nobody has a perfect life. So this is my thing and I'm just working past it. So, and like I mentioned at the top, you're you're at the Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship up in Battle Creek, Michigan, two under par yesterday. Um, talk about you know the, the rest of this weekend, and are you playing next week at the uh, Decatur Forsyth Classic? I am going to play in Decatur next week, so I'm excited because that tournament's been there a long time, so I've played that course a few times. And um, the rest of the weekend, you know, I haven't really thought about it too much. I'm trying to just have a nice, easygoing easy going round, you know. I tell you the right. truth, I came into this week and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to play good. I'm just going to play decent. I'm not going to try anything crazy, a bunch of fairways and greens, and it worked for me yesterday, and I'm hoping it's going to work for me today. Well, I hope it works for you again today, too. Carling, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to join me. You're a delight. I wish you the best of luck this weekend and going forward. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. Love to catch up with you later on in the golf season. Thank you so much. This was fun. Great. Thank you again. All the best to you and your husband. Take care, Carling, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again sometime. All right, everybody. It's time to put a bow on this one. My thanks to uh, Ralph Keppel and Carling Nolan for being such outstanding guests, and, of course, to our announcer, Joe Lajanusu, who always does such an outstanding job kicking off the show every single week. And I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you the most. Please check out our sister show as well, Thursday Night Tailgate. You heard me mention it during the course of the show. Me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. Uh, you can find us here on the Armed Forces Radio Network as well as Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, radio sites across the Internet. 
That show airs every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. We're joined every single week by four or five legends from around the NFL. Uh, we are official uh, partners of the NFL Alumni Association, so we're talking football all year round, 52 weeks a year. So if you're jonesing for some football, you'll find it every week on Thursday night tailgate. Uh, please also check out both shows on Facebook and give us a like. That's important to us too. Uh, and check us out online. Next on the T, you find us next on the T.net and at thursdaynighttailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archived episodes and keep up to date with our future guests from either site. The downloads are free. You can also stream us and take us with you everywhere you go. We appreciate you. And until next week, hit them straight, my friends. of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step my change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers.